What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Dr. Hannah Briel. On today's episode, we have Jordan Wigger, owner of Low Country Barbell Club. And Low Country Barbell Club now has their own space. We're really excited for them. I'll let Jordan tell you about it in this episode. So we're splitting this episode into two parts because we talked for so long. Right now you're listening to part one, and in today's episode we talked about Jordan's background and how to take someone's goals, history, experience, and manage a lot of different variables to help them achieve those goals. We talked a lot about what a good program actually looks like and different ways you can train for competitions. We also talk about how muscle confusion is BS. Maximum recoverable, maximum recoverable volume, that's hard to say, and minimal effective volume. We talk about those and how Jordan uses those to program for his athletes, how to know if you're doing too much, and how to play the long game and stop connecting your ego to your workout. So part two will be released in a week. Everyone, thank you for listening and enjoy the show. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan, thank you for being here. It is great to be here. I'm super excited to get to know more about you, more about Low Country Barbell Club, and then whatever topic we dive into. So let's start with what is Low Country Barbell Club? Low Country Barbell Club uh, is primarily an Olympic weightlifting club. Uh, we also offer some other programs, but the majority of our athlete base are um, Olympic weightlifters or people who train um, with an Olympic weightlifting program. But we also offer powerlifting, uh, sports performance, um, at our new location that we're about to have, we're also going to have some group functional fitness classes. Would you call it CrossFit? No, I would not. <laughs> okay. I would not for legal reasons. I would not call it CrossFit at all. Good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not paying the affiliate fee. Got it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then we're also probably going to have a, uh, we're going to put a mat there too. Cause I used, I wrestled for a long time. So we're oh. going to start a little wrestling club too. Yeah. I didn't know you did all those things. I literally thought it was just Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Learned so something new every day. Mm-hmm. When did you start? Tell me about your background. Why did you create this thing? So it kind of ties into the wrestling thing too, but I wrestled for like 16 years. 
Um, you're like 17, so you must have started. Like <laughs> I'm 27, so you're close. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I started when I was like five. Um, at the uh, at the Citadel, they had a little kids club that my dad uh, started up and then ran with some help from Jeff Reagan and some people like that down there. Um, but I was pretty good. Placed at Fargo seven times. I was a four-time state champ, three-time undefeated in high school. Was on the junior, an alternate on the junior world team my freshman year of college, oh, wow. and then stopped wrestling sophomore year of college, and then needed something to uh, fill the void, as it were. So started crossfitting for a little bit, and then found out because I am a smaller individual that the biggest thing I needed to get better at was just the strength work and moving more numbers, and got super into Olympic weightlifting from that, and then started competing and never looked back pretty much. Why did you stop wrestling in college? Uh, it's a really long and kind of sticky story, but essentially my scholarship got cut from 100% to like 15% or something for Ooh. freshman and sophomore year. Mm-hmm. That's not great. Yeah, it's not. That's a big cut. Well, that was the year that I, I mean, I placed a junior feelers and some stuff, so the reasoning for that didn't really make sense to me, and that's no. part of the reason why I stopped. So Yeah, just this is enough. And yeah. it allowed you to find this new love. Yeah, so no How problems. long were you into CrossFit before you realized you needed to get stronger? Uh, pretty fast. Um, <laughs> Immediately, first yeah, day. Yeah, well, I mean, from wrestling, my work capacity was crazy high. And I had, before I started CrossFit, I had already run like a sub-five-minute mile and oh, some nice. stuff like That's that. It's really great for you. I'm super happy for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, so the cardio was never an issue, and like work capacity stuff was never an issue. It was, and gymnastics weren't either. Like, I had pretty good body control just in general. But um, just needed to lift more. Yeah. Like, almost right away. So, started getting into that. And then there there may have been resources in Charleston in the, at the time, whenever that was all happening. I graduated in 2016, so that would have been 13, 14-ish to 16 when I was in mm-hmm. college and started yeah. into it. But I didn't know about them, so I got deep into the weeds on like watching cow strength videos on mm-hmm. YouTube and um, stuff like that and then started just looking for information online and slowly learning from there. Um, worked for a CrossFit gym for a bit here in Somerville for Foxton and then moved up to Charlotte. Oh. Yeah. And then got hooked in with Sean. Sean Rigsby at what used to be heavy metal that is now Legion Weightlifting. That's a really good name. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Not, they changed it. Well, he combined with another gym up there. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Sean Rigsby and his wife, uh, Taylor Harris, um, merged gyms with Ben, who used to own Five Rings. Mm-hmm. And yes, now they're classic Ben. Yes, classic Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Ben. Ben, ben Riddle. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all combined to, to form Legion. Um, but at the time, it was just heavy metal, so I trained up there for like two years. And long story short, eventually had to move back to Charleston and was looking for something to do that I actually enjoyed and started uh, working for CrossFit Charleston, funny enough. Oh, hey, Greg and Holly. Uh Was it them? Yes, it was them. And then started the Barbell Club in the back corner of that gym with one platform and a male bar and a female bar. And that was it, like not even kilo plates. And then after a very short time there, um, talked with Nate, moved to his spot, with three platforms, three male bars, three female bars, and a couple sets of kilo plates. And uh, just kind of ran with it from there. We've been like slowly adding stuff on since we've been in that space. Yeah. So right now we're sitting at a total of 
they're combined now, so it's a little bit set up a little bit differently than it was originally. But we have six platforms with uh, five full sets of gear, basically, and hey. squat racks and blocks and all kinds of stuff. And so, so, like the way that your gym works is like a typical CrossFit gym. Like you have members, right? Yeah, people pay a membership. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, the new place will have group classes, so that will operate similar to like a CrossFit gym. But the way that it works right now, just for the barbell club side of things, is we do a training hall style, which is a little bit different, which is we have staff coaching hours and members come in during those hours and do the workout. That's We use True Coach, which is an app on our phones, um, which just makes things simpler to like keep stuff um, in check. Um, but yeah, so... People come in, they do it on their own time, which we like just because people don't feel rushed. And if somebody needs more work, right? If you have uh, JJ who back squats you know, 560 pounds, it takes him a lot longer to go through a workout than than somebody who's than brand new. Yeah, but I mean, he, he takes literally like 30 minutes sometimes just to get to his first set and sometimes longer because yeah, it's yeah. a lot to warm up for. Um, and so it just gives people more freedom to do stuff at their own pace, their own speed, which we like. Um, and it also gives us the freedom to have multiple programs running at the same time. We can have an Olympic weightlifter and a powerlifter and somebody that's on like a hybrid program or like a, a mix of both. Or we have a program called Bigger, Faster, Stronger that's just like athletic movements plus powerlifting. Um, all those people can come in and work out together at the same time instead of it just being you only can do this program yes. right now. So it gives us a lot more freedom to serve the members and give them what they want mm-hmm. as opposed to just being stuck into doing the same thing. Cookie cutter, everyone's doing the same workout. That's right. Which is great for general population, but yes. not when you get into individual goals and wants and That's right. And it's a great place to start too, yeah. right? Like if somebody wants to come in and they want to start with the group classes, I think that's a great idea. Get a little intro, go through the group classes, and then if you want to upgrade to something that's a little more rigorous or, or more specific towards your goals, then you can do some individualized programming or switch on one of the other programs. That way it just makes it so we can serve more people and give them what they want. Is this how most weightlifting gyms work? Because this is not how most CrossFit gyms work. And I'm like, why the heck not? I would say that everybody's going to do it a little bit differently. I think the training hall style approach is probably pretty pretty popular for Olympic weightlifting gyms. Sean's gym runs mm-hmm. in a similar manner. Some gyms will do like sessions, right? They'll be like, uh, you have to sign up for slots, like our uh, six o'clock slot, right? And then you have two hours or something to get your workout done. Um, especially during COVID, a lot of people started doing that because they were trying to control the amount yeah. of people in the gym and people had to designate platforms. We did that for a while too where I had to make people sign up for slots. Um, I think most people do the training hall style, though. Um, especially since we're going to be 24-hour access. Wow. That's going to make a big difference, Amazing. too. Amazing. Yeah. I can weightlift at 3 a.m. If you finally. really want to. That's right. Where is your new location? It's 219 South Goose Creek Boulevard, uh, which is right on the edge of Goose Creek in North Charleston. It's like less oh. than 10 minutes from CSU. What about from Park Circle? It's really close. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, so, this is great. Yeah, maybe like, probably I'd say at top, maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, like Sacred Pines is about like 18. It's Everything almost the same. Everything we joke is 18 minutes away from Park Circle. Yeah, it's almost the same distance. So, you let's say you have a client, they come to group class. Okay. At the point where they want to pivot, they want to do something else, how do you, like, everything is individualized, so... 
how do you decide what this person needs? Like, what is that process like? It's a little bit less about what they need and more about what are their goals. It's less about like, to a certain degree, if I have an Olympic weightlifter and they're doing a weight, Olympic weightlifting, I'm making all the decisions for their training. I'm saying we're doing this, this, and this, and this, right? But that's if they want to do Olympic weightlifting, if they want to compete. If they don't, right, then obviously we're going to do what they want. If somebody wants to just get better, right, for CrossFit or something, mm-hmm. then we can put them on a general strength program and, and, you know, focus on different things depending on what they want to do. It can be individualized to anybody. I mean, obviously, like, the club programming is the cheap option and then the yeah. individual's life, it's, it's more expensive. But, I mean, since we have a couple of different programs, when somebody comes in and they're saying, hey, I want more, then I say, okay, well, here are your options mm-hmm. if you just want to switch to a club program, mm-hmm. right? Which one do you like the most? What are your goals? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to just squat more? If you want to squat more, then this is your best option, right? Maybe you just do powerlifting or it just depends on what the person wants. More so than even what I want as the coach. I want them to succeed in their goals more than anything else because that's what I'm there for. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that's super cool because it's so different than how most of the gyms I've been to operate. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's, the, I think it's oftentimes the missing piece because... You get a CrossFitter for a few years, and they eventually want more. Yeah. And if they want more enough, they're gonna find. They're gonna find. They're it. gonna find mm-hmm. more. Yeah. And so why are we not offering? Yeah. These things? Whether that's they're gonna sign up for Matthew Fraser's programming, or they're gonna yeah. get on Hand Plan Plus, or whatever. Yeah. Hand Plan Plus. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. I think it is. Though, well, Hand Plan is a thing for sure. Well, yeah. now it's CrossFit affiliate programming. It's mm. is it CAP? Is that what we're going with? I don't really know. Mm. Or is it SAF? I don't know. That's uh, something y'all CrossFitters can worry yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So if I <laughs> want, like, individualized, hey, Jordan, these are my goals and my weaknesses, do you write that program for me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I write all of it. Wow. It's not like I just take something and I no. give it to you. I, I sit down. I write it. I balance all your SRA curves. I do all of that stuff. I even... Stress recovery adaptation. That's right. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> How do you do all this? Where did you learn it? Tell me everything. Uh, juggernaut training systems okay. is the majority of where the bulk of, like, the, the beginning of me learning how to do all of this stuff is mostly from them. And then after I watched a lot of that, mm-hmm. we switched over to... Um, I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of people that I follow on Instagram oh, just yeah. because they put information out, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's Gwen Hennock or it's, you know, Love Max them. and Chad who are both from Juggernaut or it's... Um, University? Uh, no. <laughs> Hard pass. We, we Hard will pass. talk about that. I'm sure today. we will. And we're going to have to get out the, the beeper so I can oh, cuss up a storm. That's a good idea. I should get a beeper. You should. How long, and I know it's probably a range, but how long does it take you to write a program? It depends. It depends on how... It depends on what the person wants. If they want Metcons and they want cardio ability as long as... as, With the strength stuff, it takes a good bit longer. Because that gives me so much more to balance. Metcons suck to program for. When you are doing strength and a Metcon. And they want both every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard. Um, It depends. If if an Olympic weightlifter comes up and they say, Hey, I want a, a personalized Olympic weightlifting program... As long as there's nothing like glaring, like an injuries that we need to address or anything like that, I mean, I can write a month in like 20 to 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, that's just because I've been doing it for a long time. Like yeah. every week on Sunday or Thursday, depending on if I have stuff going on on the weekend, I sit down on my computer and I update everybody's programs. And so when I'm in constant practice, mm-hmm. it's really, I don't want to say easy because it's not 
because there's a lot of years no, of experience. No, it's just line, and it's, it, you well, can batch it at this point. Well, it's you, easy to just flip the switch and be like, okay, I'm in programming mode. Yeah. Uh, this person needs this, blah, blah, blah. Now it's a little bit different if somebody wants, like we talked about Metcons and stuff, mm-hmm. I have to sit down and like get a couple whiteboards and write some stuff out, especially yeah. if they have a comp coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wrote a, a program for the our athletes going to Fist of the Coast mm-hmm. for Fox Den and for Lone Country Barbell Club based on the, the wads that they had already put yeah. out, um, which went super well. I mean, we had a lot of people PR their snatches in the snatch ladder and Courtney got second and TJ went from like qualifying because a couple people dropped out the finishing like middle of the pack like it a lot of people did really well so I'm really happy with how that program went but that took me like an hour and a half maybe two hours because I want to progress the Metcons just like I progressed the strength movements yeah so you want to for me anyways even though it's super repetitive and like I don't normally program for like this except for big competitions but I literally am going to take the volume from the Metcon and then I'm going to break that down and figure out how can I increase the person's work capacity in these specific movements to that to a degree that's higher than what they're going to do in the comp. Yeah. So when they get to comp day, it's easy. That's what you want, yeah. really. They're so prepared for it. Exactly. They're trained above it. Well, yeah. And then we have a couple practice comp days beforehand so that when they get to the day of, they've done more work than they're mm-hmm. going to do that day of the comp several times already. That's the end goal is really what you want. Dang, man. Yeah. But you have to look at all that first. and There's I mean, a lot of variables you have to manage. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's also like you want to give them as much strength work as is reasonable, so you're also sacrificing some things at that point too, right? Mm-hmm. But the good thing is most CrossFit comps put out most of their watts beforehand, so you can like know what to sacrifice and what not to sacrifice. If yeah. there is a heavy snatch ladder, we don't really need to work on clean and jerks as much. Maybe we still have them in there just in case, mm-hmm. but I mean, you only need to clean and jerk one time a week. You don't need it two or three times a week, whereas if there's a giant snatch ladder, you probably want two main snatch sessions and then one that's like some kind of either a pull or, you know, overhead squat or snatch balance or whatever this that person why I needs. didn't PR my snatch that day. Well, yeah, you didn't come talk to me. Well, I, I have a coach and I love him. And also, <laughs> it's hard, I think, when you're training for a competition, do you want to only focus on that competition or do you want to train and get better at everything and then also that's, have this competition in the middle yeah. of it? That's the tough part. And that's the majority of the conversations that I have with athletes are about that specifically. It's like, look, are we going to play the long game mm-hmm. or do you want to just do good at this one thing? Right? You want to crush these four workouts. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the question. So I'm cool with doing that for like one, maybe two a year. And then outside of yeah. that, you should not be doing, it shouldn't be every two or three months I do a competition and we program only for that competition. That's not smart. No. Is it useful to get really good for one competition a year so you can like compete well and feel good? Yeah, I think absolutely. But I think the majority of your training should be what's best for the long term. And then if you always play the long game three years down the road, then you always win. That's a good quote right there. And it's like you still need an (laughs) off-season. Yes. You need different seasons of training. Perfect example of this is why just because it's coming up, is why kids shouldn't specify when they're super young. Connor and Emery just went to youth nationals and both did really, really well. Connor came in sixth, Emery came in third. You know what they're not doing right now? Training. They're at home. Or they're they're playing. I think Connor's doing track right now and Emery's doing basketball. And there's a reason why. It's because over-specialization causes more holes in the game than just staying in the in the trenches the whole time. It's not good. You shouldn't do it. 
adults included. You shouldn't just be doing the same kind of training all the time, right? Like your body gets desensitized to it. So you need to keep fresh new stimulus if you want to continue to make growth. That's why you don't just do five by five back squat for five months at a time because at some point you're not going to get any better. You're just going to get really good at five by five back squats at that specific stimulus. Well, at some point you're you're not going to get any better exactly. at five by five either. You might yeah. get really good at it, but it's the same reason why why like squat every day is a super bad idea outside of two or three months. You're going to get a bunch of initial gains. Mm-hmm. You're going to get really good at producing force for squatting just for that amount of time, but then you're not going to get better past that because most of that is just is just neurological and technique differences. Yeah. It's not that I'm actually getting, getting stronger, stronger or better. Exactly. You're just neurologically maybe able to produce a little bit more force because your muscles learn to work, to be- work together a little bit better. But each individual muscle isn't really producing more force. You're just learning how to leverage them better against each and other. And wired better. Exactly. So is it useful... You know, if you're a general athlete and you really want to get your squat better, would it be useful to squat every day for a couple months? Yeah, maybe, but it's not going to like, it's, that's like a short-term fix. Do you know what I mean? Oh it's my God, not, it'd also be so boring. Yeah, it is. But you know, any good training is going to be boring at some point. Yes. <laughs> How do you have that conversation? That's something I, I think I, I struggle with. Of, like, and I'm okay with it myself, but myself of like I'm gonna smash I'm gonna squat on Mondays and I'm gonna do this on mm-hmm. Tuesdays tank top season obviously Wednesdays <laughs> post your chain day etc cetera, etc cetera. obviously in CrossFit there's a there's way more variability yeah but I sometimes have like struggle with it doesn't need to be fancy in order for it to be Useful. effective yep. you have to repeat things it mm-hmm. has to be consistent but sometimes I think maybe it's my expectation that I'm putting on other people. But in a, in a world of CrossFit and boot camp where everything is changing, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to be sexy with a program that seems repetitive. It almost seems like, oh, well, you're not, you're not writing me different things. You're not putting in effort. Like, no, I'm actually, I want you to get the, the most Out of this gains from this. This is why you're doing the same thing. Every Usually day. the first thing I say to those people is that muscle confusion is bullshit. Oh, yes. So that's the first thing that I say. Because it's been thrown at us for such a long time, right? P90X and all the other stupid things out there. It's muscle confusion. You increase your gains. All you're really doing is being really shitty at a lot of different stuff. You're not getting good at everything. If you want to get good at fitness, you have to practice the same stuff over and over and over again. If you're a basketball player, if you're a basketball player, do you think that you're going to shoot a lot of baskets? Probably, yeah, right? Like, yeah, if you're a crossfitter, do you think you should snatch a good bit so you can okay. get good at snatching? Yes. Does that mean that it's going to be boring? Probably. But I need to confuse my muscles because muscles get confused. Oh, they totally do. Body. Absolutely. They're like, what's uh, Hannah doing today? Yeah. I don't know this thing. I'm going to get super strong at this other thing that she's not doing. Yeah, exactly. And people can say like, oh, well, I don't feel sore, so I'm not getting better. That's also BS. None of, like Soreness is not an indicator of, of progress. Where did these myths come from? Because from people that were trying to sell the bullshit programs. Mm. That's the thing. Like, I think people don't understand that a lot of these bigger... I mean, I'm like, freaking Herbalife or something is a good example of this too. They're not interested in giving you the facts. They're interested in selling you the product. And as soon as you see that, you can see through like half the bullshit of the fitness mm-hmm. industry. There's still going to be some out there, right? But if you take it as, what is this person trying to sell me? And are the way they're framing it just to sell me the thing? Mm-hmm. Look at it like that. And then once you do, you can get rid of half the bullshit that's out there. 
Mm. That's what? Like what else? Like other things? Like Herbalife? What else? (laughs) Um, Herbalife is just like... Is that the powder? It is, yes. Like Athletic Greens? Uh, I don't know if I would put them in the same thing. Because Athletic Greens is meant to be like a supplement, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Herbalife is like, use this program to lose weight. Okay. It's really just, okay. it's just a, it's a caloric deficit disguised, disguised as a tea and shake program. Exactly. Oh, gross. Oh, that, wow. No, that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. Same problem with Advocare and Beachbody and all mm-hmm. the other little tea supplement bullshit companies out there. It's the same thing. They, do, they all do the same stuff. It's all disguised to be like, oh, this is the new thing, the fancy thing. It's not even sometimes new or fancy. No, exactly. Well, it's just, it ignores that all you need to do, if you want to lose weight, put yourself in a caloric deficit, right? If you want to lose weight and be fit, then the next step after putting yourself at a caloric deficit is track your macros and then time your nutrients. Like all of that stuff is all the same stuff that any nutrition is going to tell you, but it's not easy and it's not mm-hmm. simple. And so what is easy and simple? Herbalife. Herbalife. I just buy the <laughs> peanut butter cocoa powder and you know what I mean? Like I get it. It's Ew. easier or whatever. And if that's what you want to do, and sure, some people lose weight on it, but it's not because Herbalife is special. It's because it's putting you at a caloric deficit. Notice too, Herbalife, whenever they're, and these other companies that do this, whenever they give you things, it's going to be do this and also exercise and also make better food choices. It's not just drink the magic shake. It's, oh, you should do these other things that you should be doing anyways. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's it's, it's just all bad. There's a bunch of problems with that outside of it because it's a pyramid scheme and they've done a bunch of things that have been, (laughs) I mean... Like, what do you have against Herbalife? Like, it obviously is personal. Well, it's kind of personal because there was a documentary that came out about them specifically a while back. Okay, I look at this. Yeah, they did a lot of... There was a big impact on the Hispanic community where people were buying and investing because they would go to these conferences Mm -hmm. and be told that they could make millions of dollars selling Herbalife. They would go to the conference and then buy a bunch of product to resell and then nobody would buy it. Yeah. So a lot of people like spent their savings and stuff into this. Yeah. So they like have been pretty shitty to a lot of people. And, you know. Well, it's just, yeah. it's And Herbalife, I don't mean to single them out. There are plenty of other companies that do the same exact thing, but. It seems to be a heavy hitter. Yeah. It's just just another. They're also just super popular in the area. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I feel like there's probably a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. Okay, let's go back to... We are getting somewhat off topic. It's, it's honestly all on topic at this point. <laughs> so, programming. You have functional fitness. You have, you know, maybe bro lifting is, is what I call one of these programs. Um, Olympic lifting, power lifting. At what point, like, how hard is it to manage all this volume to where it's smart volume and not just trash volume? You remember that, that um, reel I posted that was like, when your coach programs all these things but then you go and do a bunch of junk volume oh, after yeah you mean like are you asking like when i'm um like trying to figure out how many sets and reps to give people in my percentage not even ranges? like that granular but just like how do you what questions do you ask yourself when you're trying to decide is this a good amount of volume or is this too much like what's the difference between because volume mm. is a good thing yeah i mean there's constraints to that just well, there's like too much of a good thing is bad just like anything else exactly so at what point is it good volume versus trash the biggest thing is probably more of an indicator of like how much time do they have to spend in the gym or what's a reasonable amount of time to expect them to be in the gym 
right? If you have somebody, we'll come back to JJ because he's a good example, right? JJ has no problem spending two to two and a half hours a day in the gym and getting all the work done. He's also higher level, so he needs more work in general. He just does. Um, so I'm going to program differently for like somebody like that as opposed to you know my 50-year-old female athlete. It's not going to be the same. The things that I'm taking into consideration are uh, training background and experience. So if somebody grew up doing sports right through puberty, then they're generally going to be able to handle more volume than somebody who didn't. Also, like the more recent training volume, that 50-year-old, if she grew up doing sports, she can still handle more than another 50-year-old her same age, right? Um, I mean, I've, like Sherry is a good example. Sherry's 50. Sherry deadlifts over 300 pounds. Sherry. She can handle Sherry. Uh, no, I was just saying Sherry. Go Sherry. She's a monster, yeah. Um <laughs> But she can handle more volume than other people her age, right? Because she's been training for a while and also grew up doing things. So it's all variable. And people trying to say like, oh, this person's this age, so they get this much volume. That's not... No. That, yeah, but there are people out there that are like what? that. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't seem to be how yeah. it works. No, it doesn't. So I'm taking into account like training background. I'm taking into account um, age. I'm also taking into account proximity to career max, which is kind of like a theoretical kind of floating number, and it's more of like a guesstimate. But how much do I think this person is ever going to be able to lift in whatever thing we're trying to do? You can determine that? You can ballpark it. You can tell me how much I'm going to snatch, like, ever? Maybe. Oh, what do you think? I'd have to see. I, I'd have to tell you. I'd have to watch. I'd have to <laughs> watch you snatch. So discouraging. I'd have to watch you snatch, and then I'd also have to be like, yeah. "Are you gonna gain weight? Are you gonna?" Because like, what you're doing outside of the gym matters too. But if yeah. I have an idea of your habits, and I have an idea of if you're gonna stay the same size or get bigger or get smaller, because some people are gonna try to lose weight also, um, and I can know how long you've been doing it for, then yeah, I could probably give you a good estimate. Oof. Not that's not like a guarantee, and I've definitely been wrong before. So but you're like a weightlifting psychic. No, I'm not a psychic. I think I'm gonna. You know, when we talked about Herbalife. Oh, I'm gonna okay. advertise you that's as fair. the weightlifting psychic. Okay. He will tell you how much you will be able to lift in five years. It's but... gonna be like the psychic hand up, except there's gonna be thumb tape on it. That's oh, that's happen. good. But you can only lift that much if you follow his program Ooh, and pay him oh, for five right. years. That's right. There you go. And if you don't <laughs> get that number, it's not it's Jordan's all, fault. It's, it's all, all your fault. fault. That's right. hundred mm. <laughs> percent. So you mentioned stress recovery adaptation. I yes. have, uh, you know, SRA curve. Mm-hmm. So obviously like those things you're also managing to decide like, is this a good enough amount of stress volume because if it's not, they're not going to get anything from it. If it's too much, they're again. Well, then you're talking about MRV. What does that mean? Maximum recoverable volume. Mm. So how do you know that? They're like all these things seem to be in flux. There are ways that you can actually test for that. Okay. Right. So let's say that I have a percentage range that I want to train this. Let's say they're in a hypertrophy block. Right. So for me, generally, that means like back squats. We're going to be moving like eight to twelve on our reps. And we're going to be like 65 to 75% just ballparking all of those numbers, right? Um, so I want to figure out what this person's MRV is. Okay. Generally, if I've been training them for a while, I have a good idea anyways because I'm constantly ramping up either volume or intensity or a mix of both from week to week as we go up and then deload over and over again. At some point, we overstep a little bit. Yeah. 
Some of that might even be intentional, right? Because sometimes I do want to overload somebody so that they have an increased adaptation from a deload, right? Like the overreaching adaptation. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I can get an idea of that if I've been training you for a while. If I want to figure it out right away, like on the spot, then the first thing we do is we just start off with a certain amount of volume and then we increase over the course of two to three weeks and then we deload. And then I continue to do that until I figure out at one at some point you're not going to be able to complete all the work that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. And that lets me know that we're exceeding what your MRV is, right? If you have like a – it's too bad there's no video. But I know. Yeah. If you have MRV as the top end of that range, this mm-hmm. is the most volume this person can handle. And then you have MEV, so minimum effective volume, yeah. minimum effective dose, right? Mm-hmm. There's a magic number in there somewhere that's the maximum effective volume. So I'm getting the most bang for my buck. I'm getting the most adaptation that I can. You're not going to get that at your MRV because that's all your resources are going towards recovering and you have none left for adaptation, which is why if you hit MRV at the end of a cycle and then you deload, it's not a bad thing because then you get that overreaching adaptive effect, right? But there's, it's a floating value. It's never going to be this one thing because it also depends on how recovery is and stress outside. So you never know exactly what that's going to be. But you're, you should be trying to train throughout that whole range of your MEV and your MRV, right? Mm-hmm. Because that number is in there somewhere and we want to hit it or be close to it so that we can, you know, get the Make most games. out of our training. Exactly. So MRV is the most someone can handle. That's right. And when you say the most someone can handle or what? Or they can't complete the same amount of work the next week. So they cannot do the work that you're asking them to do. Yeah. So like, it, let's say um, somebody's squatting twice a week and I have them doing four sets of 12, right? For both of those sessions at 68% or something like that, right? For this week. The next week, they can't complete all of those sets and reps at the prescribed weight. That means that for that percentage, their MRV is a little bit lower than what we did the week before. Because if they could still complete it the next week, then they, they would not be exceeding the MRV, right? Yeah. They would still be recovering. They might be at the MRV, but they would not have exceeded the MRV. What factors like like biofeedback, sleep, burnout, things like that, like what things, of, what is that, of those things do you take into account? Definitely sleep. If somebody's having a harder time falling asleep because they're just like, busted up yeah that that's definitely a thing where recovery starts to have problems because the training is too intense Mm. that's the thing so if somebody's telling me i'm not sleeping super well and i've been like crushing them right then i'll pull back some (laughs) um if they're just generally kind of tired all the time right good training you might feel tired but you shouldn't feel drained if you're feeling drained you're probably doing too much you're using all your resources to recover and then you have nothing left for daily activities or whatever or you know whatever the case may be but yeah so like feedback about people who wear like whoop straps are super good about this too because i could just yeah exactly i could just be like oh what's your daily strain yeah i'm current cool i need to pull back or i can be like oh you're like faking this and it's like 4.5 let me stomp on the gas pedal so the other thing though with whoop is that it doesn't measure lifting that well because it's just Mm going to measure heart rate yeah and it loves an hour of cardio way more than it loves a super fatiguing lifting session. Yeah, I don't know a ton about like how Whoop operates their it's just, stuff. Yeah, it's just heart rate variability. So yeah. like, I did a pretty long aerobic workout on Friday, 
but did not feel wrecked from it at all. Mm -hmm. But I can go do a bunch of lifting, and the next day just feel super sore and achy and and need a day off. Mm -hmm. But Whoop will tell me my strain was lower. However, my sleep might be different. Yeah. But I think a lot of those things, like, we still don't really know, and we're just, like, trying to figure out how can we possibly measure recovery? How can we possibly measure stress? Because, like you said, it's always kind of changing, and it depends, like... Was I not able to hit that amount of volume this week because I had a super stressful weekend and I drank all day on Sunday with Rachel? <laughs> Did I have a hard day at work? Did I sleep bad last night? Like, yeah. all the things that affect it. And so it... Well, that's something that's part of the conversation too, right? Yeah. If somebody's having a bad day at the gym and it's Monday, I'm like, hey, things, everything okay? Like, is there something going on? Almost half the time, work is super stressful, mm-hmm. or there's family stuff going on. Almost, like, I would probably say, like, 75% of the time, that's the answer that I get back when something, somebody's having a bad day in mm-hmm. the gym. Sometimes it's because I overprogrammed. Um, sometimes it's because they had to help their friend move over the weekend, mm-hmm. so they're back super tired, right? So there's other stuff, too, but, I mean, the first thing is always outside, almost always outside Oh, yes. Yeah. It requires you to have a relationship with your people. And yeah. like constantly exactly. things. And that's something, too, that I think a lot of coaches mix at, miss out on. It's useful to be super invested in that when your person comes in the door, hey, how's it going? How's life? Blah, blah, blah. Ask about their family. Is some of that, like, personal care and, like, face-to-face and pressing the flesh and all that kind of stuff? Ooh, yes. I haven't heard that. You haven't heard press the flesh? No, I don't like it. You haven't been down here long enough. <laughs> um, so, that's part of that, but secretly, that's also me gathering mm-hmm. data on what's going on with this person. You know what I mean? Like, if I know that they have something super stressful going on and they're supposed to max out next week, then maybe when we get to max out day, I'm just like, hey, let's just get up to like 90% and see how that feels and go from there. And then manage the expectations that they're not let down if they don't have a PR. Yeah. What if maxing out is the thing that's super stressing them out? It can be for some people too. So a lot of times you end up having to disguise it, right? You put a complex in and what will happen is as they get higher in the complex, let's say it's like a snatch pull plus snatch, right? I'll sneak it in. I just say it's a heavy load for the day. And then at some point they're doing pretty well and I say, hey, don't do the pull anymore. And they're like, okay. And I just, you know what I mean? I just like yeah. sneak it under there like that. And then yeah. I take the pole away and then we just keep going up. It's really nice too if they're used to pound plates and we have kilo plates because I can just put more on the bar and they don't know. Oh, it's it makes such a difference mm-hmm. when you don't know what's on the bar. It is very helpful. Oh, Because yeah, then the mental side of things can't get in there. How long does it take you to, to get to know your person well enough to be able to, to know all these things that, that play a huge role? A couple months. Like, to get a general idea. And then yeah. there's some people, like uh, Courtney Sneed, who plays second at Fittest of the Coast. Mm-hmm. I've been working with her for, like, a year and a half. And I also was around her for a long time before that, too. Like, mm-hmm. we used to work out at Foxton together way back in the day. So I know her super well. So, I mean, for Court, I have a, I can generally almost just see how she's moving that day and be like, okay, she's this is where she's at, right? Yeah. Which sounds silly, but it's just because... I've seen her do stuff for so long that I have mm-hmm. a really a really deep understanding of how she's going to respond. Of her as a person. Yeah. Which is how you're going to get her the best progress. It's like half of it is the body and like the physical sy- systems around that. And then the other half of it is the person's life. Like mm-hmm. you need to know what do they do for a living. If somebody has a physical labor yeah. manual job... We probably need to do more skill work than we need to do like a ton of accessory and strengthening work because they're probably getting a lot of that volume anyways at work. 
Huh. Right? So, yeah. like, there's certain modifications that I'm going to do for that. When I was up in Charlotte, I managed a moving company, and I was working on a truck sometimes 12 hours a day and then going to train. Mm. Most of the time when that happened, I wouldn't even really bother much with accessories because if I'm lifting couches all day... You got your curls in. Exactly, right? So it's more about practicing the technique of snatching and cleaning and jerking than it is about anything else. And that's the other part of training. What part of it is skill and what part of it is strength? And you need to treat it like that. Am I trying to do... Is this session of chest-to-bar pull-ups for me to get better at doing chest-to-bars or to gain... Uh, work capacity and the movement pattern, right? You need to start thinking about how am I structuring things around that? Are we trying to get better at this thing or get stronger? Mm -hmm. And then once you've done that, you can start to easily change stuff in the training program to make it make more sense. If I need somebody to be stronger in the overhead position, am I going to make them snatch? Probably not because the snatch needs the over needs the strength of the overhead position to have good technique. So instead, we'll do snatch grip push press and we'll do behind the neck presses or sots presses or well technically they'd be presses and snatch because the sots press is there but anyways um but yeah so you have to think about it in those terms as opposed to you know we we need to get better at this thing just smash this just do that thing yeah well which is kind of the answer but also still you can get more specific with like what is the intended stimulus yes of this like if you program for me and you're like, I want you to get better at doing chest-to-bar pull-ups fatigue. And you gave me 30, and I have to do a few rounds of that. I'm not going to get that goal because it's, I'm going to have to split up that 30 to where I'm mm-hmm. going to miss the stimulus of yep. under-fatigue. Yes. I'm just going to be like, okay, well, I, I can't even do this set. Yeah. And also, like, as an athlete, that fucking sucks. <laughs> like, if you're bad at this thing, and I'm just like, hey, you know the thing you suck at really bad? We're just going to beat the shit out of you with it. Like. Great. So like, I'm not going to get any better at it. I'm well, going like, to remind me how bad I am. Let's say it does make you better at it, but you get to where you just hate doing it. Are you going to try mm-hmm. as hard during the session? Probably not. No, I'm going to so, hate these. That's there, like rope climbs. I hate rope climbs. There you go. So what is your coaching process like? Because it, it sounds like you have to have a lot of communication with these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like constant. I wouldn't say constant. It's more of like a day... A day-to-day sort of thing. Do you right? see them every day? Most people, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so that's like, where you get the check-in. Yeah. And ultimately, too, like, I can't be at work all day every day. So I do have coaches that work for me. And a lot of times, too, like, they know Cass has been working for me for, like, over a year now. Uh, Cass Luttrell, right? She's super knowledgeable. She has a good bit of experience now. So she can make a lot of these judgment calls mm-hmm. that I would normally be the one making because she has the experience and... When I'm teaching her to coach, I'm not saying, this is the muscle that contracts and does this. I'm, this conversation that we're having, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations we had that are similar to this, where part of it was me just ranting and raving. And but some of it was on a whiteboard? Yes. Like, a lot. <laughs> a lot of that. Um, and some of it was more structured, but, like, it's less about memorizing information and more about figuring out the processes that you take to get somebody from A to B mm-hmm. and all the stuff that's involved in that, right? If you're if you're pretending that all life happens in a Bulgarian training hall where all they do is eat, sleep, and train, then you're not going to get anywhere because outside life stressors are going to mess that plan up. So you have to... If you're trying to teach somebody to coach and to program and do all those things, that's what you have to be doing is teach them how everything works, mm-hmm. not what to do. You can yes. show them what to do, but they need to know how everything works first. When I'm training a coach, the first thing we do is talk about programming. We don't talk about 
lifting technique. We don't talk about, um, we don't, I mean, we talk about SRA and MRV and all that other stuff that we just had a conversation mm-hmm. about because that stuff dictates all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. You need that information first and then you can go from there. You need to teach at PT school. I mean, like our, our jobs are different, but we follow the same principles. Like this physical therapy world, like it's not just about how to teach people how to squat. It's probably, you know, not that at all. It's how can we manage this person's stress and recovery to get them the result and the adaptation that they want. Yeah. And it means you have to take everything into account. Mm -hmm. And in a world where you're seeing someone once a week, but you, you only focus on exercise and maybe you just dry needle limb and you don't know what's going on in the rest of their life or their volume outside of PT and all those things, like you can't get them the best results. So as you're yep. saying all this stuff, I'm like, I didn't get this education in school, but it rules everything. Rachel talked to me about that too. And yeah. it blew my freaking mind yeah. that you go to PT school and you come out and you don't know any of that. You it's, don't know how to program. You don't know how to train. It seems crazy to me that, I don't know. It does. It. How long is PT school? How long are you Three. in school for? Three years. Mm-hmm. So undergrad. When you had four years of undergrad and like exercise science, you'd think I would learn these things. Like yep. it's not like stress. And I was a bio major. Like I wasn't even exercise science. So like. Did you learn all this stuff? No. Yeah, exactly. This is all outside of that. Now, granted, me knowing how to program for certain things comes from a little bit of a biology background and knowing how like muscles work. Yeah, and stuff for like sure. That, right? Physiology. Like, yeah. But it's still basic. It's not like mm-hmm. all this. All of this is what we're talking about. It's like how to apply yes. the foundational knowledge that like it's the reason we can have this conversation yeah. because we know what we're kind of talking about. But yeah. to in order to like do this and and do well at it and get people the results that they want, whether that's getting out of pain or whether that's back squatting more. Yeah. Like it's still mm-hmm. the same. It's all the same. The All the same exact principles still apply. And that's yeah. why the whole thing, I mean, you know, you get injured, rest it. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all the same exact stuff. We need to get stronger in this area. All the same principles still apply, right? Whether I'm bouncing SRA curves for, you know, my kid that's going to go and place third at nationals or if I'm balancing SRA curves for my 50-year-old athlete that has a bad hip and just wants to be able to walk up the stairs without it's pain. It's not bad, Jordan. It's not a bad hip. That's what I'm saying. We it's, rephrase yes, that. <laughs> that has a hip that is bothering them. There you she go. She might describe it as a bad hip, but I wouldn't describe it as that. I'd just say we need to get stronger. Dang, man. Yeah, all these things are, are so so similar. How? Like, what's your capacity like for how many clients you can like program program for? Or not like how many members do you have, but how many can you do what you just explained? For the for? so that's part of the reason why the club program is something that we offer because okay. the club program, kind of like CrossFit programs, are a general program. Mm-hmm. Club programs are a general program for Olympic weightlifters, for powerlifters. The bigger, faster, stronger is a club style program for people that want to be athletic but don't really care about Olympic weightlifting and want to be bigger and faster stronger so it's basically powerlifting with some athletic stuff thrown in like power cleans and power jerks and stuff mm-hmm. um, it, it really depends honestly um, if you're asking me like how many people can I do at one time it depends on what they're doing if I have 10 CrossFit athletes that want personalized programming, that's going to take up almost all of my time by itself. 
um, if they want everything to be completely different. Now, it might yeah. be that some of them need similar things. So yeah. They might share some stuff across programs. Um, and that's also going to change, too, being in the new space, having dedicated office time to, mm-hmm. like, be able to focus on that, like, several hours a day mm-hmm. is going to be super helpful for me and will increase my capacity to be able to take yeah. on people for that kind of stuff. That's also part of the reasons why when I bring on coaches, I teach them all the same stuff that we've just talked about. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, they will be taking on clients also mm-hmm. and doing personalized stuff with those clients. It takes a long time to get really, really good at that. It took me a long time to get really good at it because I didn't have anybody really mentoring me on it, right? Like when I first started doing it, it was before I moved up to Charlotte and knew Sean. So I had like anywhere from five to ten online clients at a time just like doing it as a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And then I made mistakes and got better and made mm-hmm. mistakes and got better and learned and then found more information and then figure out that all this other stuff that I was doing for a long time was BS. I need to forget it. And like it was, um, Lots of confusion. No, I, I was never doing that because that was one of the first things that I knew was kind of like BS. But I'm trying to think. It's just small stuff. Um... A big one for me was probably, see, you put me on the spot and I can't think of something off the top of my head. Now you can't think of any flaws about yourself. Nah. I've never done anything wrong. No, I've definitely done stuff wrong. (laughs) The biggest one was probably trying to give people too much too fast. Mm. I would say that initially when I was first training people, I was like, let's beat the crap out of them Mm. and make them better, (laughs) right? Which like, you need some of that, but in a structured way. Yeah. I'd say that initially I was probably too gung-ho with trying to give people like large amounts of work. Um, even young people now, I don't initially start with large amounts of work. You give me a teenage boy who's 16 or 17 and I'm not going to beat the crap out of him for like the first two or three weeks. We're not going to do stuff that he would consider hard, Mm. but it doesn't need to be hard for him to get better. So why do the hard things, right? Like not even why do the hard things, but if we're going to make the same amount of progress doing this stuff as we would if I beat the crap out of you, because mm-hmm. your systems aren't even ready for that much stimulus yet, right? I can give it to you and you might recover and adapt, but you'd only adapt this much. You why don't adapt we just... this much. Exactly. So it's more about what's... The long game. The long game. And also stop connecting your ego to mm-hmm. your workout, right? That's a podcast. I'm writing that down. That's a separate <laughs> podcast right there. That's, I need that one. That's the biggest problem that people have is they want to be the workhorse and they don't want to do everything and they want to be, I'm doing five sets of 12 at 75% on squats. And like, Ew, oh, you no. see what I mean though? Like people <laughs> attach their ego to what their workload is yeah. in the gym and you got to stop. Well, their self-worth. They yeah. find their self-worth in their performance in the gym. And and it's not bad that you shouldn't be proud of, about making progress, but what you need and what somebody else needs are two separate mm-hmm. things based on a huge amount of factors yeah. that we've just barely touched exactly. on earlier yeah. today. You've, you've got to disconnect from all that, right? We don't have our own space yet, but as soon as we're in the new gym and it's good to go, one of the first times I'm going to put up is drop your ego at the door which sounds dumb because you're like people well everybody's like don't ego lift but I don't even mean ego lift I mean drop your ego with what you think you should be doing at Mm -hmm. the door you're like you're paying for me to use my expertise and experience to tell you what's what I think is going to be best for you do you want do I want feedback absolutely yes but one of the biggest things that we have is I'll give somebody a rest day and they'll complain about it I'll be like well I feel good. I should do more. Yeah, you feel good, but we just did RPE 9 
back squats, bench, and deadlift on Friday and Saturday, it's Monday. You're taking another rest day today because your nervous system, even though you don't feel it, is kind of fried and we need to give you time to recover. Even if muscularly, like you feel good, that's a whole separate conversation from how much like just stress in general mm-hmm. we took on over the last couple of days. The whole point is we don't want to ever overstep that. If you get to a point where you're in like a deficit, especially on the nervous system side, where you feel like you can't do more work, it takes a long time to get out of that because the SRA curve for your nervous system is like two or three weeks long, depending on how much weight you move. If JJ is back squatting 560 pounds, do you think he's going to be recovered from that squat next week? Probably not. Even if it's on a Friday and the next Friday, he's not recovered yet. Right? If it's a deadlift, it takes even longer, even if it's the same mm-hmm. amount of weight, right? If he dead if we're about to do a comp, I'm gonna have him deadlift like two and a half or three weeks out. The last mm-hmm. heavy deadlift is then, and then we taper from there on out. Everybody thinks, oh, it's a week to week thing, mm-hmm. but it's not, especially once you get really good at moving heavy weight. Yeah. If you're clean and jerking double body weight, unless that double body weight clean and jerk is like 80% for you, it's probably gonna tax the crap out of you. If you're maxing mm-hmm. out on some of that stuff, even more so than like powerlifting movements because deadlifts is, you know, deadlift is more static than a clean and jerk. If you're doing a clean and jerk max and you're going to true maximum and you leave it all out there, you got nothing left in the tank, you're not going to be good to, to like go that hard again for like three weeks because now you're bringing into it, um, like your timing is going to be different because you're fatigued, right? So your technical stuff is all going to be messed up for a while. So we can't go heavy because it's going to mess up your timing for heavier attempts later on. And you also have more dynamic systems that are getting involved. My speed under the bar is going to be affected. My ability to produce force is going to be affected. All of those other things are going to come into it too. And so dropping your ego about what you should or shouldn't be doing and how much work you should be doing is probably the best thing you can do as an athlete. Stop trying to say, in the past, I've seen results from this. Or, that's great at first, but if we've been working together for like six months, give me the feedback and then do what I say. And trust the plan. Yeah, honestly, that's really what like, it when is. When I hire an accountant, I'm not like, <laughs> oh, I don't know about this. You sure you did that math right? Yeah. Like, obviously, there's some things where you're like, you have questions and feedback, but yes. the reason you hire a coach is to take all of the guesswork out. and to somewhat give the responsibility to someone else who mm-hmm. knows a lot better yeah. than you. And I think that's where people have have the hardest time with it is for a long time, and especially as somebody who initially was working out in commercial gyms a lot, I was doing all my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I was writing my program. I was doing this. I would do that. I'm researching things. I'm thinking I'm the freaking best at this. I know so much, right? I'm the bomb. Yeah. In college, after I was getting into CrossFit, I wrote myself a strength program and did it for like two or three months and saw a lot of progress. Was that progress because I was great or was it because I had not really spent a whole bunch of time lifting before? It was because I was new. Exactly. But you get this um, negative feedback loop where... When you're new, you can do almost anything and get better. Mm -hmm. So you do stuff. And then you think, oh, this stuff is the stuff that works. Yes. Right? And then at some point, you stop making as much progress, but now you have an ego attached to doing those things. Instead of stepping back and saying, maybe I should, this person has all these athletes that are doing well. I should talk to this person. Or... Uh, maybe I need to find new information online, blah, 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 which maybe isn't the best also if you don't really know what you're doing in the first place. Mm. But 
finds it that I'm not saying me, find somebody who get knows what they're doing and go talk to them, right? Like get a coach for sure. It's, I mean, it's just like, like you said, it's like doing the same thing because you used to get results from it. Like, oh, well, I, I tore my hamstring, so I usually rest it and it kind of goes away, but it hasn't happened this time. It hasn't worked like that this <laughs> yeah. time. Like, when you've done that 17 times at this point, yeah. it's not going to work like that beating anymore. Your head against the wall. So what is your vision for the future with Low Country Barbell Club? <sighs> um... Really, I just want to grow Olympic weightlifting in the area probably more than anything else. Um, there's not a big scene here, right? When we host meets, it's like one male session, one female session. In Charlotte, there's like eight to ten clubs. There's oh, so many. When they have meets, Queen City Classic, four female sessions, four male sessions. It took all day to do one, one gender. Like all the female on Saturday, all the male on Sunday. And it's fun. It's a blast. There's tons of people. It helps grow the community. Like, all of that stuff. I want that for here, you know? The more of that that's going on, the better. And also, Charleston has a lot of really good, talented athletes. Like, more barbell clubs or more Olympic weightlifting in the area is going to serve them better. Olympic weightlifting doesn't have to be just about Olympic weightlifting. It can be great for for throwers, right? Like track Mm -hmm. and field coaches. If you're listening to this, you should be trying to find an Olympic weightlifting coach somewhere to help your kids out. Uh, Football coaches, same thing, right? Maybe they don't need Olympic weightlifting, but an Olympic weightlifting coach is going to be really good at getting them more explosive, stronger, more stable, um, all of those things. I think my end goal, I don't really have an end goal because it's all just more about like where you are at the time. Yeah, I mean, but, it never ends. But I mean, I would love to just have a really healthy weightlifting community in the area, I think, more than anything else. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.